Welcome to Bill Bronchick's Real Estate Investing Podcast. Mr. Bronchick is an attorney, best-selling author, and a real estate investor with 25 years' experience. For more information and free articles and videos, visit his website at www.legalwiz.com. This is Bill Bronchick, and today we're going to talk about how to evaluate a multifamily deal. This is an email and a call I get a lot from people that are a little maybe green on multifamily investing and not exactly clear on how to do the evaluation. So what I'm going to do is focus on one to four family, well, actually two to four family. Uh, one would be a single, multifamily would be two, and then five and above. And for our purposes of our discussion, let's just say smaller multifamily would be five to, depending on your area, uh, 20, 30 units. The reason I separated two to four family from five family and up is because the standard way that you evaluate, according to this is according to Appraisal Institute, uh, you evaluate the value of a multifamily building is if it's if it's two to four family, it's considered residential. In that sense, it is evaluated the same way as a single family, i.e. using comps, comparable sales. That is, you're going to compare a two-family to another two-family, or a two-family to a three-family, then adjust for the third bet for the third uh, unit, three-family to three-family, or three to four-family, four-family to four-family. So try to get something that's close in units, or hopefully the exact number of units, if not one or so off, can be used and extrapolated just the same way you can compare a two-bedroom to a three-bedroom house. And we're looking at comparable sales, which means things that have sold, that are comparable, that are similar in location, size, style, age, condition, and so forth, just like you would do a single-family house. Now, even though uh, the standard appraisal for that type of unit doesn't consider the income of the property, I think you should, and we'll go into that when we evaluate a five-family and up. When you're doing a five-family and up, you want to look at Mostly, you can look at comps as well, but you're going to focus a little more on what's called the income method or income approach to valuation. There are three accepted methods of valuation and appraisal. There is the comparable sales or comps, the income method, and then the replacement value. Replacement value is not often used. It's mostly for insurance purposes because when you get into older buildings in some areas, the replacement value uh, may be substantially higher than what it's actually worth as an, as an appraised property or based on income. So it's not always the most uh, accurate. Sometimes appraisers will go to that when they have nothing else to go by. But we're going to focus heavily on the income approach the more units we have. Like I said, two to four family uses comparable sales, but we're still going to look at these, these income uh, uh, methods of valuation and these formulas to evaluate uh, deal A, this duplex, versus deal B, this duplex, or this triplex, okay? Now, the income approach, what we do is we have to come up with two formulas. One of them is what's called net operating income, or NOI. Many of you have heard that before, net operating income. And the other thing we're going to look at is net cash flow. What's the difference? Well, let's start at the top. You start with the evaluation of a multifamily by looking at what's called gross expect, expected income or gross scheduled income. It's the same thing. And in that sense, what you're looking at is 
what would this property, if all full, rent for a year? We're doing, we have to compare apples to apples. So annual income versus annual expenses. So if we had, for example, a triplex, you know, even if it was, by the way, actually rented for less or more, it's not so much relevant to the calculation, although the, the, the factors are relevant as to why it's more or less than it should be. But what we want to take is what's called a pro forma or what if analysis. So if we have a three unit building and it's all vacant, it's irrelevant. We're going to look at if it were filled at market rent, what would that be? Okay, now, if it's not full, we want to know why. So if it needs repairs, if the seller ran out of money, if they just evicted three tenants, if the neighborhood's not conducing to, conducive to renting, meaning everything is vacant in the neighborhood, those are important things to know. But generally, we assume full rent at market rent. Okay, so if we're going to do the pro forma analysis, if market rent is 1000 per unit and we've got three units, 3000 a month or 36000 a year. Okay? That is your gross expected or gross scheduled income. From that, we're going to subtract vacancy. Now, so we said this one's currently vacant. Do we put 100% vacancy? No, we don't. We put what's typical or average of similar properties in the area. The more units we have, the lower vacancy factor we will end up with. And the reason is if the average in the neighborhood is, let's say, 5% vacancy, three units rented throughout the year will tend to fall to a higher number because it's only three units. And if you have one or two vacancies, it skews the numbers. If you have 100 units, then the 5% vacancy number is right on the money. Okay, So we want to look at what's the neighborhood vacancy um, as an average and maybe bump it up just a little bit if we have only three or four or five or six units. Because again, the higher the number of units, the more it'll average out to what is typical for the neighborhood. So let's say for our argument's sake, we're going to use 10%. 36,000 a year minus 10% is 3,600. That's your adjusted gross income. So you take your gross scheduled, what if it was all full, minus your vacancy factor, adjusted gross income, adjusted gross income. Still gross because it's not minus expenses yet. Then we subtract expenses. And this is every single thing under the sun except mortgage payment. Mortgage payment is not an expense. When you do an income and expense report, for example, on a property, you don't put in the mortgage payment because mortgage is not a proper operating expense. And, the, and I'll show you why in a moment why we do that. So if we had that 36 minus 10%, we subtract from that property taxes, insurance, property management. Even if the, prop, the building is self-managed, because you'll see a lot of real estate listings that say no management fee as an expense, because it's only three or four units, so you know the owner could manage it. But that's irrelevant. You should still put a, a, a management factor in there of maybe 7 or 8% of the gross rents. Even if you plan to do it yourself, your time is worth something and it's a factor in there. So we got the property taxes, insurance, management, repairs, maintenance. Now repairs and maintenance are two different things. Maintenance is, is the uh, typical annual reserve for the big items. So in, in a typical small building, you've got 
the roof, the parking lot, the heating and ventilation systems. Those are your three biggies. And they get replaced every, you know, depending on the item, every 10 to 30 years. And what you would want to do is if, for example, the roof costs 10 grand to replace on this building, and it's good for, let's say, 20 years, and you've got 10 years left. One was done 10 years ago, which means you have 10 years left. If it costs $10,000, you have to, over the next 10 years, budget out one-tenth of 10000 1000 each year for that maintenance fund. I hope that makes sense. So maintenance is the, the reserve for the long-term big items, whereas repairs are just things that break normally or you know, minor maintenance things, uh, as such as um, fixing a broken door or a broken toilet. That's not the same kind of maintenance as the long-term maintenance. So each one of those has a, an annual factor. Don't forget, depending on how big the development is, if you have 20 units and three partners, you're going to need a bookkeeper and an accountant and probably an attorney. So don't forget all these little fees and like marketing and, and um, utilities and garbage, water, and all those things are all the operating expenses. So when you take the gross scheduled, subtract your vacancy factor, subtract all your operating expenses, that's everything but your mortgage payment, you get what's called an NOI, or net operating income. Okay, so that's gross minus vacancy factor minus operating expenses. And again, where do you get these operating expenses? Well, you're going to have to extrapolate to some extent. You might have to take what the seller's history has been the last few years, but if it hasn't been running, for example, if it was just vacant for two years and you couldn't use that, you'd have to look at other units that are typical in the area and what is a typical set of operating expenses. As a general rule of thumb, as a, this is a real rough rule of thumb, if you've got let's say 10 units of lower to middle lower income which is considered BC properties, properties are rated by condition area, and so forth, to A, B, C, and D, A being the nicest, D being the worst. A, you probably won't invest in because it's not very profitable. D is really rough stuff. So B to C is pretty much where you want to be. In that realm, if you took your gross scheduled income and divided it by about 50%, just divide by two, you'd, you'd get about your net operating income. So as a general quick and dirty rule of thumb, your net operating income is about half of your gross scheduled in those types of buildings at about 10 to 20 units. When you get into duplex, triplex, fourplex, your expenses are much lower because you don't have as many common areas, you don't have as much utilities, you don't have as much management and accounting, then it tends to be not 50%, but maybe 30 to 35%. So if you have 100,000 in income, you would expect uh, 30 to 35,000 to hit your expenses, everything other than mortgage. Does that make sense? So if you want to do a quick and dirty on, let's say, a 20-unit BC building, what would it rent for annually? Divide by two and you got your net operating income, give or take. And that's going to be affected by the age of the building, the condition, what deferred maintenance there is, whether the, the landlord provides utilities and what utilities they provide. So that number could be more than 50% and it could be less than 50%. But as a quick and dirty, if you someone came to you and said, hey, I've got this 20-unit um, apartment building, and you say, well, 
what are the market rents, and they say, well, it's a thousand, so twenty thousand a month or two forty a year, your net operating income should be roughly about twenty. If they say this is a 40, 50 year old building that hasn't been renovated much and grossing 240 and netting 190, you know, you know something's wrong there because the expense ratio should, shouldn't be that low, meaning it should, the, the, the net operating income should be a half, as in 120, not 190. Now, if the building was just renovated, if it ran like a top and it was very desirable and there was no deferred maintenance, it's possible that the expenses could be. Um, 50 grand, meaning 240 minus 50, gets you to 190, but it, it's not likely. Just, just before you get into the actual numbers, if you want to do a quick and dirty, 240 divided by 2 gives you 120. Okay. Now, from the net operating income, we're going to subtract the mortgage. Now, before I go into that, why do we not subtract the mortgage as an expense? The reason is, is because the analysis allows you to compare building A to building B vis-a-vis -vis the financing. If we're going to look at building A, which is 10 units, and building B, which is uh, 12 units, we can compare them by the income without respect to mortgage. Now, once we have that net operating income, we can, we can calculate what's called the capitalization or cap rate. The cap rate is a measure of the building, how it performs vis-a-vis -vis the financing, because we haven't gotten to the mortgage yet. In, that, in the case where we had 20 units, 1,000 a month, 240 a year, divide by 2, 120 net operating income, what we do is we take the net operating income and we divide it by the asking price of the building. And what that will give you is your cap or capitalization rate. So, for example, if they're asking a million dollars for these 20 units and we've got... 120,000 a year in net operating income, what would be $120,000 a year divided by a million? If anyone's got a handy calculator, you can pr or do that in your head, you would know that 120,000 divided by 1 million would give you a 0.12 or a 12% capitalization or cap rate. By the way, that's a very good cap rate. A cap rate will vary from market to market, city to city, neighborhood to neighborhood, and based on whether it's an A, B, or C class. I'll give you an example. In, in Denver, Colorado, where it's a hot market and apartments are really a premium, most people are doing a six cap or less as the price. So we could do the formula the same way backwards by saying, okay, there's 120 a year in net operating income. If you divided that by 0.06, you'd get 2 million. And that would be a typical asking price in that neighborhood. If you say, well, 6 doesn't cut it for me, I need something with a, a 10 cap, 10% cap rate, then you take 120 divided by 0.10, and you say, well, I'm willing to pay as much as 1.2 million. I hope, that, I hope that makes sense. I hope I didn't lose people too much on the math. But you have to understand, you take your net operating income, you could divide it by the asking price, and then it tells you the cap rate. Or you can take the net operating income, divide it by the cap rate that you want, and that'll tell you what you should pay for the building.
Okay, those are that's simple algebra if you've never done that before. If you write it down on a piece of paper, A over B equals C, but A over C equals B. You know, you can switch the the, the denominator and what's on the other side of the equal sign in algebra. If you don't know that, just trust me, you can do that. That's like eighth grade algebra. If you don't know it, ask one of your kids. But that that's a rule. A over B equals C. You could swap the B and the C, so A over C equals B. And that's all I did there. So 120 divided by the purchase price equals a certain cap rate, or 120 divided by what cap rate you want equals what you should pay for it. It works out, which is beautiful. So when I said 12 cap, that's really good at a million. At 2 million, it would be a half that, a 6 cap. If you say, I want a 10 cap, then you want to pay up 1.2 million. Okay. I hope I didn't lose anybody there on that math. It was try to keep the numbers as simple as I can. So one of the measurements, net operating income, gets you cap rate. Is cap rate the most important thing? I would say no. It tells you whether you're overpaying on price, which is really relevant if you plan to flip the apartment building within a short period of time. But if you're looking at the income, then we want to look at net cash flow. Net cash flow. So what we do is we take our net operating income, in this case 120, and we're going to subtract the mortgage payment annually. Now this will change the result based on whether you put down 50% or 10%, whether the interest rate is 7% or 4%, whether the amortization is 30 years or 15 years. These will all change the result. Okay, they won't change the cap rate, but it'll change the net cash flow. So if, if let's say, for example, our um, $120,000 year net operating income, we subtract a mortgage payment of 80 grand a year, okay, principal and interest, we're left with 40,000 in net cash flow. Okay, now what do we do with that number, 40,000? What we do is we want to divide it by not the purchase price, but your down payment and everything else it costs you to get into the deal. When I say everything else, it could mean you have to renovate units, you have a lot of closing costs, etc., etc., etc. But let's just keep it simple. Let's say, based on this um, $120,000 net operating income, that you were going to buy the building for $1.2 million, 10 cap, put 300,000 down and then get a loan for 900,000. So what we would do is we would take the 40,000 net cash flow, 40,000 net cash flow, and then we're going to divide that by the down payment. So 40,000 divided by 300,000 and that gives you 13.3%. Now what is that a measure of? It's a measure of the cash-on-cash cash return of your money. You put up $300, you are getting $40 a year. What does that equate to in terms of annual return? And by dividing $40 by $300, we get $13.3, which is, by the way, a decent, more than decent, annual return cash flow on your money. Uh, it depends on the market, but... If you could get 8, 9, 10 or better, and this is not the actual, remember, because we did everything pro forma as it should be, what you could get to a 13%. It may start out as a 4% or even a negative, but if you can get it to a 13.3 within a couple of years, 
then that's pretty good. That's a pretty good uh, return on investment. So, so far we looked at the cap rate, the purchase price, net operating income, net cash flow, and then annual cash on cash return. Those are the quick and dirty. So again, by the way, if you paid all cash for the building, all cash, no loan, then your cap rate would be the exact same thing as your cash on cash return because remember the cash the net cash flow is net operating income minus mortgage if there's no mortgage then your net operating income your net cash flow are the same thing and hence you get the same number if you pay all cash okay just, just so, so that's if your if your annual cash on cash return is not substantially higher than your cap rate then something's wrong either your interest rate stinks or you're amortizing it over 10 years of the payment or you're putting too much down or whatever it is but your cap rate should be lower than your cash on cash return okay finally we want to look at the total return which is let's say you bought this building and you made that forty thousand a year for five years and your plan was to dump it in five years and sell it okay now, $40,000 a year for five years is $200,000. Then you sell it, okay? And after you pay off the mortgage and after you pay off the expenses and the broker's fees and the loan and everything, and you got all your money back, which is the $300 you put down plus any other expenses you put up, let's say that there's another $400 net, 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 net in your pocket from the sale. So you made 200 for five years income, and then another 400 on the back end. So you made a total of $600,000 net, net, net. Okay. Just to review, we take our gross scheduled income, what it would be rented for if it were at market, and we also need to know how long it's going to take to get there. If it's currently rented at 800 a month and market is a thousand you can't jump at two hundred dollars a month in the first six months because people won't pay that they'll leave so you have to have a realistic you know phase in of these new rents gross scheduled income we subtract the vacancy factor maybe five or ten percent we subtract all our operating expenses that gives you NOI or net operating income divide that by the asking price that gives you your cap rate or divide the cap rate you want and it'll tell you what you should pay. Take the net operating income, subtract your mortgage payment for the year, and then you get net cash flow. Divide net cash flow by the down payment and you get your annual return on your money or annual cash on cash return. And then take the cash flow for the time you expect to hold it, plus what you expect to get net proceeds after you sell it, hopefully at a higher price than you bought it, add the two together and then divide it over five years and that'll give you your annual return on investment in total. Uh, I hope I didn't throw too many numbers at you, too much math. If you want to review this a little more, we got some great videos on the on-demand site on this that break this down in much more detail with nice slides so you can see the numbers on the screen and write the numbers down and follow the math along with the calculator. 
but I just wanted to get you conceptually that multifamily is, is math. It's, it's all math. It's not emotion. It's not how pretty it is. Um, and in fact, once you get five units and over, it's not really even about comps that much. It's more about the income of the property, what it could produce relative to the expenses, and then we get our cap rate, our cash on cash, and our total return, and we can make decisions of property A versus property B. And again, if you, this, is, this is a pro forma or what if analysis. If you go around looking for apartments with a 10 cap, you won't find it. You have to look for stuff that's underperforming and say, okay, it exists as a 5 cap, can I get it to a 10 cap? That's the analysis. So don't go looking for apartments and say, Bill, I couldn't find anything with a cash on cash of you know, 13 or I couldn't find anything with a cap rate of 10, and you probably won't. Because if it performs that well and it's fully rented and it really does great, someone's going to sell it for more, which means your return is less. You're looking for problems. You're looking for underperforming buildings. Um, someone who's got uh, 10 years worth of tenants that have been there and they think that's the smart thing to do not raise their rent because it's less hassle. Very foolish. Or half the units are down and not rented because the seller ran out of money. Or... It's all full, but it's, it's rented way in the market because it's got all kinds of problems and it doesn't cash flow because you're constantly dumping money into problems and the seller can't afford to do that anymore. She's willing to sell at a discount. Okay, that's what we're looking for. We want to create a good return, not buy something that has an existing great return because it's largely non-existent. Thank you for listening to Bill Bronchick's Real Estate. For more information and free articles and videos, visit his website at www.legalwiz.com